Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, you might have noticed from the lections and from our uh, song selections that we're talking about one God in Trinity of Persons. God in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Indeed, we are at Trinity Sunday. Um, The last Sunday after the season of Easter, before we go into what is called variously ordinary time or the season after Pentecost, which is our green season. I think I've told you this before, but when I used to teach uh, the little kids, the preschoolers, and would ask them about the liturgical colors, um, I would always ask them before I would start what color it was. And um, this one particular day, we went through all of the colors and some that aren't particularly liturgical, um, and none of them were, were right. And finally, I said, well, no, it's the green season. And one little chap, about four years old, said, not a Again, it's always green. <laughs> because we do actually get into a fairly long green season. But right now, we're in uh, the festive season of the Holy Trinity. And, um, of course, there has been much ink spilt over all of the centuries of Christian life um, about trying to define what is this one God, this triune God, who is one God in Trinity of Persons. How, in other words, do we continue to confirm our monotheistic faith, the faith in one God that we have received as children of Abraham from our inheritance out of Israel, who sustained a belief in one God in the center of all of the pagan religions around, who worshipped multiple gods, with a small g. And so, how do we continue to affirm One God who is in trinity of persons. So, not three separate gods, um, not uh, three separated gods, one God in substance, in trinity of persons. So, we either fall into the heresy of thinking about God as three separate gods or the alternative heresy of God who comes to us in different modes. Uh, One time might be coming to us as uh, father, another time the same God kind of morphs into the mode of um, husband, and another time maybe comes to us as little league coach. Um, But that's called modalism, and that in itself is a heresy. So as you can see, when we try and define um, this mystery, we're walking on a razor's edge and going, falling easily into heresy one side or the other, but because God is mystery. But we know from the readings today, Jesus says, go and baptize in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And um, if we could wrap our finite minds around 
what it means to be one God in trinity of persons, we would be God, and we're not, clearly. And so we live in this mystery. God who is completely other, who has created all these things, who is completely transcendent, and yet wants to be personally known. He wants us to have a personal relationship with him. So the more we try to explain him, the more we fall into these alternating heresies. But this God who's wrapped in mystery comes so that we can know him. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus said, God is spirit. No one's ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And he said to them, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then we come to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. All that he has said to them can be encapsulated in the one word, love. We say God is love, And that is a true statement, but it's become an aphorism. It's become a trite statement because we have confused this word. We've misappropriated the true meaning of this word. We've misused and even abused this word love. We've confused toleration and love. We have confused a romantic love and this love. We have confused desire and this love. We've even confused lust and this love. We've cheapened and debased the word by using it as a superlative of like. Instead of saying, I really like something, we say, gosh, I love your hair, or I love that movie. That's not what the word truly means. When we talk about God who is love, all of these forms or understandings of love are a pale counterfeit because we truly see love when we see Christ. For God became man so that he could truly reveal to his children who he is, his character. Christ, says in scripture, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, the image of the invisible God. Jesus came to make God known, to make God's love known. And this is a love that is self-giving. 
that is always pouring itself out, not lording itself over others, not power hungry, the exact opposite. It's a humble love, a sacrificial love, a love that keeps pouring itself out for the other, a costly love, always protecting, always self-offering. God himself is the essence of relational love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our one God is a self-sufficient community of love. The Trinity is complete love. One God in Trinity of Persons is ultimate expression of love within the Trinity. It's a dance of love between the Father who loves the Son, pours out love unto the Son, the Son who loves the Father in return, and the Holy Spirit who wraps the entire Trinity in love, loved, beloved, lover, beloved, enrapturer, all within the life of the Trinity. And he didn't need to create us. He didn't need somebody else to love. God is perfect love in and of himself. But there is so much love within the heart of the Trinity that it extended outwards, that it bubbled over, that he wanted to share it, to create and to pour that self-offering, humble, sacrificial, costly love into a creation that he breathed into being. In that wonderful passage from Genesis, we see God creating the earth. See, in the heart of the Trinity, there is this amazing, self-sustaining, self-offering love. In the words of theologian Mark McIntosh, not only are we invited into the conversation of God's Trinitarian love, we turn out to be part of the subject matter of the conversation. We are what God is talking about about. We matter to God, not because God depends on us in order to be God, but because in and through the activity of creating and redeeming and sanctify us, God has freely chosen a community, a communion of love and freedom. He loves us because he is love. He creates us because he is love. I've mentioned before one of my favorite mystics is a woman called Julian of Norwich. Uh, She lived in the 14th century in Norfolk where my parents lived for a long time after my dad retired. I remember one time when I first learned about Julian of Norwich, I took my mom, I said, well, we're going into Norwich to try and find Julian's church and her cell. Well, she'd never heard of Julian of Norwich and seemingly nobody else in Norwich had either. And um, we went and we finally found this a small church, unfortunately it had been bombed during World War II, it had been rebuilt, um, and there was um, Julian's uh, cell. She'd been an anchorite, she'd been 
basically her cell had been built around her. There was no door. There was a window into the church and a window out to the out, outside. And people would come by and, and talk to her. And she became known because when she was in her 30s, this is, of course, in the late 1300s, early 1400s in the UK, and the Black Death, the plague, is decimating Europe and England. In fact, it's more than that. In Norfolk, um, over 50% of the population died from the plague, from the Black Death. And uh, Julian, um, who calls herself unlettered, that means she didn't write in Latin, but she did write in the local language of the day, um, had this uh, near-death experience. Some of you might have read recent books called NDEs. You know, there's been some movies recently. It seems like she had what we now call a near-death experience. Um, And in that context, she has uh, 16 visions and initially, when she, she was given last rites, uh, they didn't think she was going to survive. When she did, and she was completely healed, um, she thought, well, she'd just been imagining it. And she writes this, that she'd been imagining this. But then uh, the Lord came to her and said, no, what you saw and what you heard was absolutely real. And so she spent all of her years after that Um, looking at this, trying to understand and pulling apart what these visions had meant. It's a wonderful read, and there's a new translation, which is rather well done. But she kept asking what it means. What, What did God mean? And she says this in the book. Fifteen years and more later, my spiritual understanding received an answer, which was this. Do you want to know what your Lord meant? Know well that love was what he meant. Who showed you this? Love. What did he show you? Love. Why did he show it to you? For love. Hold fast to this and you will know and understand more of the same. But you will never understand or know from it anything else for all eternity. She said, this is how I was taught that our Lord's meaning was love. And I saw quite certainly in this and in everything that God loved us before he made us and his love has never diminished and never shall. You and I were created in love by a three-personed God We are, each and every one, miraculous, freely loved into existence beings. We never need have existed. We exist because God delights and chooses that we should. Our existence is God's free gift. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Our very essence as human beings, both male and female, in the image of God, is to be a reflection of God and a reflection of his love. Do you know that he knit you together in your mother's womb. 
He delighted in forming you. He created you individually in love. He was with you in the delivery room. Imagine, if you will, the image of Christ there as you come into the world. The delight on his face as you enter into this earthly realm. He's created you in love. The God of the universe created you. He knows you. He knows every fiber of your being. He counts the hairs on your head. He delights in you. He loves you personally, unendingly, unfathomably. And when we were ripped from his presence by sin, he himself in love came to redeem us, to bring us back to him in love. That wonderful hymn. What wondrous love is this? Oh my soul, Oh, my soul, what wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. God's love, his divine love, is most perfectly seen on the cross. Greater love hath no man than that he lays down his life for his friends. God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His last breath on the cross is to say that his work of redeeming love is finished. He has redeemed us and in that last breath out, it is done. I have brought my children home again. Do you know that each of us have breathed in an infinitesimally small molecule of air that Jesus Christ breathed from the cross? That blew me away. That's also from this uh, bishop of the church, Nicholas, um, I think it's Nicholas Nisley, who um, is also this quantum physicist. He wrote this, Every breath we take contains something like 10 with 23 zeros after it molecules of air, an almost unimaginable number. During a year of our life, we breathe in and out on an average about 10 million times. Traditionally, we believe Jesus lived for 33 years during his earthly incarnation. So using that number, he would have breathed in and out something like 33 million times. That means that he breathed a total of 10 with 30 zero molecules of air. That's a very big number. It's a huge number but it only represents about one billionth of the total amount of air on Earth. But if you work out the math, and he seems to have done, I certainly couldn't, it turns out that each breath we take contains many of the same air molecules that Jesus breathed during his lifetime. 
you and I are literally, with each breath, breathing the same air as our Lord. You can even work out, he says, how many of the molecules in one of your breaths was part of Jesus' last breath on the cross. It's not many, maybe one or two out of the billions, out of the many, many molecules you breathe. But there are a few. We have physically breathed in at least a few molecules of the breath of God incarnate. Love come down from heaven to earth. But we continue to breathe in the divine love through the life-giving breath of God's Holy Spirit who comes in love to sanctify us. We're created in love. We're redeemed in love. We're sanctified in love. The God of love and the communion of the Holy Spirit is with us. We are being sanctified in that love. Has that gone from here to here for you? Take it in. You are beloved. You are so deeply, deeply loved by the one who created all things. Take it in. Live in it. Swim in it. You are beloved of God. It's personally for you, for each and every one of you. Each of us is designed created, redeemed, and sanctified in a pool, in a sea, in an ocean, in a universe of God's love. We're in the dance of the love of the Trinity. But it's not just for us. It is for us. But Jesus says it's not just for you because there are those out there who don't even know it. If you know it, how sweet it is. Would you not want that for everybody? Would you not want them to know how boundlessly they're loved? Not in a frail human love, but in a divine, self-offering, sacrificial, humble, costly, ever-giving love. He says that we are. We're to go. We're to go into all the world. That doesn't mean that we're to be missionaries in Africa, although they're bringing the gospel back here. It doesn't mean that we need to go to places outside. It means that we're to be missionaries in our own families. We're to be missionaries in our workplaces. We're to be missionaries in schools. We're to let people know this gospel of love. Because that's God's heart for all of his people to dwell in that love. May we, in the name of the one God in Trinity of Persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.